Hey, I'm Kate Otten, tight end at the University of Washington, and you're listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Charles, as always, and today we are getting into, well, today, today we're getting into a good amount of news here, uh, as, as always. I feel like the last time we had slow news was, geez, maybe the spring of this past year, man. Um, anyways, with that being said, uh, episode 109, we're going to start as we usually do with the Seattle Seahawks here, uh, week eight, the team took on the Jacksonville Jaguars. They would win that game 31 to seven, uh, former head coach, Mike Holmgren was honored at halftime, becoming the 14th member of the ring of honor post game thoughts. There's, there's not too much to say about this game simply because the Seahawks needed to come in and they needed to dominate this game. All right. And they did that. So, um, <laughs> I'm not sitting here this week mad at you. I'm not oops, sorry. Um I'm not coming in this week and it's like, oh, the sky is falling, right? No. This is well, the result you needed. You know, if this team came in and did anything short of winning by 21 points, we were gonna have a talk. We were gonna be in some trouble. We were gonna need to discuss some things. Um but the team took care of business. They did their job and they beat a bad Jaguars team. This is a bad Jaguars team. I am happy that we are not a Jaguars podcast because otherwise we'd have a lot to talk about, you know, from Urban Meyer to the way this coaching staff's been. I don't put any of this on Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, yeah, that's a uh, be a bad Jaguars team. The defense has been improving ever since the second half of the, uh, of the Pittsburgh game. Um, and as I mentioned, Mike Holmgren was honored. Mike Holmgren was honored at halftime of this game. Um, Gino Smith had his best game, uh, probably, you know, probably has to be one of his better games in his career, really, um, in terms of efficiency. Uh, this move into stat leaders, completing 20 of 24 passes for 195 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Alex Collins had 10 carries, 44 yards receiving wise. Tyler Lockett, big day with 12 receptions. 442 yards tackle wise Bobby Wagner continues to lead the way with 14 total tackles and seven solo and then turnover department Quantra Diggs had the only forced turnover for the team with an interception um so you know nobody really sticks out too much I mean I guess you could say that Tyler there uh with a big performance 142 yards is pretty solid kind of uh replicating the numbers that he saw uh the first few games of the year um Bobby Wagner continues to lead the charge in the tackle department. It's always funny to me whenever I see some sort of discourse that Bobby Wagner has taken a step back or Bobby Wagner, this, that we need to get rid of Bobby Wagner. It's always really funny to me because if we look at it now, if we look at it at this point of the season, you know, following this Jaguars game, if Bobby Wagner is losing a step or needs to be moved. Tell me why he's second in the league in total tackles. 93 total tackles, 41 assisted. Second in the league in total tackles. I mean, if if he was taking a step, maybe he'd be, you know, down. Jordan Brooks is on this list also. Jordan Brooks is only down. Uh, Jordan Brooks is ahead of guys. Oh, wow. Interesting list here. Um. Jordan Brooks is in the top 15. Interesting to notice that one, two, three, four, five. Oh, wow. Jordan Brooks is in the top 12. Interesting. Um, 
anyway with that being said yeah any discourse or any slander against bobby wagner i just can't i just can't take that um so yeah, no, nobody really had incredible days, but again, this was a victory that the team needed and they handled business as accordingly as they could. Um, offensive and defensive MVPs on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Bennett and I had Geno Smith. Uh, Omari had Tyler Lockett. On the defensive side of the ball, Bennett and I both had Quandre Diggs and Omari did not answer. Um, Quandre has been a, a, a key character for this team. Um, you know, acquiring him last year, no, a few years ago. Um, for what was it? A fifth round pick from Detroit. Don't know what Detroit's doing. Um, acquiring him for, you know, a, a relatively low pick. Um, and having three interceptions, you know, for the past several years, uh, every year. So good, good on Quandre. And, you know, I'm hoping he gets that payday soon uh, just to lock him up. Um uh, as we head into injury news here, uh, prior to game time, uh, we had some injury updates for Chris Carson, D. Eskridge, and Russell Wilson. Wilson is ahead, way ahead of schedule. Uh, Carson has no timeline. Eskridge is ready to play after the bye. For game day inactives, uh, safety Marquise Blair, cornerback Bless Austin, center Dakota Shepley, left tackle Stone Forsyth, tight end Tyler Mabry, and defensive end LJ Collar were all game day inactives. Collier... Uh, inactive for the sixth time in eight games. Uh, post-game, safety Marquise Blair suffered a significant knee injury. He will undergo surgery and miss the rest of the season. Cornerback DJ Reed has some kind of groin strain. Uh, his MRI was clean. Uh, Pete Carroll says that he should be fine. Quarterback Russell Wilson has really healed tremendously and had the pin removed from his finger on November 1st. And then Chris Carson is expected to practice when the team returns from the bye week and intends to play versus the Packers. So taking that into consideration, that is much, much different news than what we heard prior to game time when it said that Chris Carson had no timeline and that he might not play the rest of the season. Um, so very, very contrasting thoughts there um, from Pete Carroll. It's always interesting getting injury notes from Pete Carroll because it's really kind of a back and forth. Uh, his... his Descriptions are very unique and don't always mean uh, what actually happens. Um, in terms of team-related notes, on the 27th of October, center Brad Lundblade was added to the practice squad and quarterback Danny Etling was released. October 30th, DK Metcalf was fined $6,949 for unsportsmanlike conduct for essentially his uh, scuffling with Marshawn Lattimore on Monday Night Football. Lattimore was fined $10,000. In league-related news, uh, Stan Kroenke... Uh, has angered NFL owners with an attempt to stop paying millions of dollars in legal fees in relation to the Rams move to LA. Uh, and next note, the NFL is considering combine bids for the 2023 draft LA Dallas and Indianapolis are all sites being considered for the 2023 combine. Uh, the NFL is moving up when coaches can be interviewed. The NFL will allow teams to interview head coaching candidates during the final two weeks of the regular season. Next note, the NFL is enhancing the Rooney rule in relation to that coaching uh, candidates spot there. The NFL is to require two external minority interviews for GM and coordinator jobs. Um, moving on to the Washington football team scandal. Washington football team accusers want probe to be released. The former Washington football team employees uh, that have accused the team of workplace harassment want the investigation findings to go public. Uh, 
And then a note came out after that that the NFL will not release these findings. Uh, Roger Goodell justified the decision by claiming that Dan Snyder has already been held accountable, air quotes, following the investigation. Moving on to finish up the Seahawks segment, their team record sits at a 3-5 and five record overall. They are fourth in the NFC West, but they are only a game out, essentially a game and a half out of being in a playoff spot right now. That is very funny. Um, looking ahead to week nine, Seahawks have a bye week. So uh, you can kind of put your mind to rest worrying about these guys for uh, at least a couple of days uh, and just hope that the rest of the teammates, the rest of the team gets healthy there. Moving on. Oops. Moving on to the Seahawks. I mean, Mariners here, pardon me. Um, in team related news, uh, J.P. Crawford was listed as a finalist for the Gold Glove Award at the shortstop position. It is his second year in a row being nominated. Last year, he won, obviously. Uh, he led the American League shortstops in fielding percentage with .981, put out with 222. He was second in assists with 388, and double plays started with 88. If he wins, he'll become the 10th player in club history to win multiple Gold Glove Awards with the team. The announcement of that winner comes on November 7th. In Gold Glove-related news, Tice France was snubbed for the first base position Gold Glove. Uh, Ty ranked second among AL first basemen in defensive runs saved, first among AL first basemen in ultimate zone rating, in ultimate zone rating per 150 games, and finished with a 4.8 fielding runs above average. So, shout out to Ty um, to really step in and uh, command that first base spot uh, and not get recognition for it is a little ridiculous, but that's more than likely the anti-Mariners bias that we see from this league anyways. Uh, Lee related notes, the MLB reinstated Taubman, former Astros executive Brendan Taubman, cleared by the league after being fired for inappropriate comments made towards women reporters. And then the MLB denied a Trump invite claim. The MLB officials say that former President Donald Trump had requested to attend game four of the World Series instead of Trump insisting that he was invited. Uh, looking ahead for the Mariners is your standard upcoming free agency. So nothing necessarily imminent to look forward to uh, for our Mariners there. This is your time to check out Homs Seattle. That is H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E. Uh, Hans has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. There's Hans Seattle, H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com. As we move into our Seattle Sounders news here, October 26th at LAFC, the team would lose that game in a thrashing three to nothing loss. Uh, no player of the game there, just an ugly win that, you know, both players and coaches looked at and were really disgusted by, um, Usually Brian Schmetcher is able to find the silver lining and things, but this game, he just said, nope, this is terrible. This is ugly. Um, speaking of the way that Schmetzer handles these losses, uh, November 1st versus the LA Galaxy in the last game of the week for the Sounders, they would draw that game at home in the final home game of the regular season. One to one uh, player of the game would be Christian Roldan, took two shots and he drew the game tying penalty kick and also had some shots hit the post really unlucky there. Uh, to go back to what I was saying about um, to go back to what I was saying about uh, where am I? Where's my head at? 
Oh, yes, about the way Schmetzer handles these losses. It was funny after this game, you know, it's a draw. It's frustrating. It's a point, though. Schmetzer said this is we should just call this a loss simply because, you know, if you look at the standings right now, the Sounders to have the best chance of winning back the first seed in the Western Conference, the Sounders needed to win both of their games that they were going to play prior to this LA galaxy match and needed some help from the teams that um, both Colorado and sporting Kansas city were playing. And now you draw this game. And if we're looking just at Casey, Casey is playing Austin, which is arguably the worst team in the MLS, right? They're playing Austin. And then after that, they're playing um, – oh, shoot, who was Kansas City? I had it in my brain. Oh, we all saw Lake, pardon me. Um, so more than likely you're going to end up with the second seed in the Western Conference, but it would have been really great to ensure that the Western Conference playoffs go through Seattle. And you had the opportunity to you know, control that and make sure that that happened. Right. If you just one win, take care of business and win your games. In the past five games, these Sounders have not won a game. They're all losses or ties. That's not good. Uh, you know, it's not good for them going into the playoffs right now with one game to play next. And you know, this yeah, the form at home this year has not been ideal. You know, lots of lots of draws and lots of losses. So, you know, um, just kind of frustrating right now. Uh, good to get some of the guys back. Uh, Jordan Morris returned in this game, and he was in the game for a little bit. Uh, Nico Ladero came back after coming off the bench last game against LAFC. Uh, Brad Smith did the same. Uh, and Rule Rui Diaz scored uh, that penalty kick that Christian Roldron uh, drew. Um, so good to get those guys back, but also you have to get those guys implemented. Obviously, it's great to have them back in the roster, but the way that sports work is like most of the time, the majority of the time, guys coming off of injury are not going to be able to just pick up where they left off, right? So uh, whew, heading into team notes, uh, the MS Award nominees were announced uh, for the MVP award. Jao Paulo was the Sounders representative. Uh, Defender of the Year, Yamar was a Sounders representative. And Humanitarian of the Year, Stefan Fry was a Sounders representative. In league-related notes, sporting goalkeeper Tim Melia was suspended only one game for his body slam of Christian Roldan. So Tim Melia, instead of getting a three-game suspension as traditional with a red card uh, of that nature, uh, only gets one game. Uh, and then other league note, the MLS to hire independent counsel to look into Vancouver's handling of misconduct allegations against former women's coach. Um, so now that we look at it, we look at the Sounders record here. Oh, shoot, I just had it. Mm-hmm. The Sounders said today, well, they aren't on top of the Western Conference at the moment. Uh, they set a 17 win, eight draw, eight loss record with 59 points, one above Sporting Kansas City. Looking ahead, they will take on the Vancouver Whitecaps on the road on November 7th with a 3 p.m. PST kickoff in the final game of the regular season. That is Decision Day, which is a very big day. Um, 
to figure out seating and all that sort of stuff. No storm news for you uh, at the current moment. The next piece of news that we have would be Maestro Athletics. Uh, shout out to Maestro Athletics. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S, Maestro Athletics. Go and check them out. They've always got new stuff cooking. I know they're working on some stuff right now, and I won't reveal it, but go and check those guys out. Heading into our Seattle Kraken news on October 26th versus the Montreal Canadiens, the Kraken would win 5-1. to one. Player of the game would be Brandon Tanev with two goals, two points, a three plus minus, and three shots on goal. October 28th versus the Minnesota Wild, Seattle would win that game 4-1. to one. Player of the game would be Hayden Fleury with two goals, his first multi-goal uh, game of his career. So congratulations to Hayden there. October 31st versus the New York Rangers. The Seattle Kraken would lose that game 3-1. to one. Player of the game would be Jordan Eberle with the only goal for Seattle. And then November 1st at the Edmonton Oilers, Seattle would lose that game 5-2. to two. Player of the game would be Jaden Schwartz with one goal, one point, four shots on goal, and two hits. So to look at those past two games, look at New York and Edmonton. Those are already good teams. You know, New York's got Adam Fox, Chris Creator, uh, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, Edmonton. Oh, and don't forget Igor Shesterkin. Oh, God, their goalkeeper is insane. Um, but then Edmonton, you look at Connor McDavid, just, just Connor McDavid outside of everybody else. Um, both Edmonton and New York are good teams. Okay. And the trend. In these past two games, it seems is that Seattle's putting up a lot of opportunities and there's gotten a lot of just near misses, near misses. In the New York game, there was uh, t- the, the goal that would have equalized it late in the third period. Just, just creeped toward the line and then got knocked away. You know, it's, it's a matter of inches, mere inches. And Seattle just was unlucky. So Jaden Schwartz said it best after the game. He said that, you know, eventually you keep hammering away eventually you're going to get some some of these to bounce the right way. So uh, it's exciting to see this development happening. It, it just, my biggest issue right now was the power play. Seattle is 30th in the league in power play. Um, I believe we're one for 29 this season, which is bad. If you can do math, one out of 29 is not a high number, not a high percentage. So power play is really where they're struggling right now. I know after the New York game and the press conference, Dave Haxtell said that, you know, he feels like they're taking a turn, uh, just got to finish them. And obviously that's a big deal is the finishing part. So in terms of injury news on October 31st, assistant coach Paul McFarland and forward Jared McCann have entered the NHL's COVID-19 protocol, both missed the Rangers and Oilers games these past two games. Um, in league-related news, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks scandal developed over the past week. Joel Quinville uh, resigned as Panthers coach after meeting with Gary Bettman amid the Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. Uh, General Manager Stan Bowman and other executives of the uh, will no longer run the organization after an investigation found a failure to report sexual assault. Uh, Bowman stepped down as General Manager of the U.S. Men's National Hockey Team as well. NHLPA head Donald Fair apologized to Kyle Beach, who revealed himself as John Doe in the Blackhawks' 2010 sexual assault scandal. Uh, and then the NHL commissioner defends the NHL, uh, Gary Bettman, that justifies the punishment that the league handed down to Chicago regarding its sexual assault cover-up. So that part is not a good look for the NHL as a whole. 
Um, looking at the Kraken record, they said at three wins, six losses, one overtime loss, and totaling seven points. The team sits at eight in the Pacific Division at the current moment. Looking ahead, they will come back home on November 4th to play the Buffalo Sabres at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And then November 6th at the Arizona Coyotes, they will travel down to Arizona with a 7 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. Uh, moving on to our rain here. Uh, on October 30th, the rain played their final regular season game of the year at Kansas City NWSL. Excuse me. Uh, and they would win that game three to nothing. Player of the game would be Eugenie Le Sommer with two goals. Um, and then the other note was that Kansas City announced that their team's name going forward would be the current. So Kansas City changes their name from Kansas City NWSL to the Kansas City Current moving forward. Um, for the injury report against Kansas City, the only person out was Sam Hyatt with COVID protocol. And nobody was listed as questionable in league related news. Um, Kansas city uh, will build the first stadium in the U S specifically for an NWSL team. Next note, the NWSL meets the NWSL PA's demands. The league agreed to meet all the union's demands following cases involving federal verbal abuse and sexual coercion of players. Next note, Washington spirit executive Larry best resigned amid ongoing controversy around the franchise's workplace culture. The rain finish out the year. Oops. I have to make sure this is accurate. I don't like. Yes, 13 wins with the rain finish out the year with a 13 win, three draw, eight loss record. Second in the league with 42 points. Uh, looking ahead with that win against KC, the rain locked up the second seed in the NWSL, and they will get a bye week and they will play a home semifinal game. On November 14th, I implore you, I'm giving you notice now. When this comes out, it'll be November 2nd. This matches on November 14th. If you have the time, please make your way out to Shaney Stadium. That game, November 14th, it'll either be at noon or at 2.30 p.m. I'm giving you time to plan this. Please support your professional women's soccer team. They've got a load of talent. Um... And this is their best shot at winning at all in a long time since more than likely since when they played in Seattle. So if you have the time, please make your way uh, down and watch these women play. Uh, No Sonics news, no Dragons news uh, as we move into UW athletics here um, in Pac-12 and general college news. um, Washington state arranged a meeting. Sorry. Um, with Nick Rolovich uh, and an immunologist uh, who said that the now fired coach asked about Bill Gates's involvement in the vaccine. So I don't need to say anything um, regarding Rolovich, right? I feel like everything that's needed to be said about that guy has been said, um, but it's just funny to hear about the guy that he was and the fact that he gave up $3 million dollars of some stupid ideology. Anyway, um, in UW football news, uh, the last week they played at Stanford on the barn, on the, no, on the farm, pardon me, is how they refer to it down there in the Bay. Uh, the Huskies would win that game 20 to 13, another ugly win coming in the form of a comeback. Uh, this was the Huskies first win at Stanford since 2007, snapping a six game losing streak. 
Uh, and the theme of this game was really that new faces made big impacts. Jalen McMillan, Carson Bruner, um, and then Zio, Tunu Wolfie. Um, I apologize if I botched that. But yes, the main point was that these new faces, these younger guys who were getting playing time in lieu of uh, upperclassmen suffering injuries, suffering season-ending injuries, and we'll get to the injury news here in a second, but those guys really stepping up and making a big impact was the theme of this game against the Cardinal. As we get to game leaders here, uh, passing Dylan Morris led passing with 17 completions on 25 attempts for 146 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Rushing-wise, Sean McGrew led on the ground with 19 carries for 114 yards. Receiving-wise, Shalen McMillan had six receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, Right. Um, I meant to pause the recording, and I hit stop because I'm smart. So I'm hoping this works out correctly. Um, Where were we? Uh, Jalen McMillan led with six receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. Tackles-wise, Carson Bruner led the way with 15 total, 11 solo, one sack, and one tackle for loss. In the turnover department, three Huskies had turnovers. Uh, Savelle Smalls had one fumble recovery. Jackson Sermon had one interception, and Brendan Radley-Hiles had one pick as well. Uh, the team sits a 4-4 four and four record. They are third in the Pac-12 North. They still remain unranked. Um, but, oh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, injury news of outside linebacker Ryan Bowman, joining middle linebacker Edifon Ulufoshio, and running back Richard Newton on the list of players with season-ending injuries. Um, so that was what I mean when I said that, you know, some of these older players, some of these uh, upperclassmen are getting injured, opening the door. Um, opening the door for, you know, these younger guys to make an impact. Oh, yes. And then team-related news, uh, Peyton Henry was honored as the Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, He nailed four field goals in the win over Stanford. And then uh, Carson Bruner earned Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week and Pac-12 Freshman Player of the Week for football. Looking ahead, the Huskies play a big game on November 6th versus number 7, Oregon. That is a big game. Um, not entirely sure if we've got the time set for that. Uh, let me take, I'm pretty sure we do, but I don't have it marked here. Um, let me make 100% sure. That's a big game. Um, if you want to redeem yourself from having, you know, from the horrible losses early on this season, uh, and maybe do something with your season. Um, I said, instead of just, you know, being, having a winning season by a couple of games or so, you know, uh, it'll be incredibly crucial that you win this game. I mean, this is a game against, you know, a heated, heated rival um, and somebody that you really haven't really, I mean, I think the last time we beat Oregon was uh The 70, yeah, I think it was a 70-point game. Uh, but this game is at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. So, shoot. Yeah, that is a that is a big game. That is a very big game. Um, 
as we had to uh, just a note on men's basketball. Men's basketball plays a game on November 4th versus Central Washington. That is an exhibition game. Um, moving over to men's soccer on October 28th, the men's soccer team played Cal in a no contest due to weather. Uh, it was pouring and it basically made the conditions unplayable. October 31st versus Stanford, the team would draw 0 0. So no play of the game there. Uh, the Huskies men team sits at a 12 win, one draw, one loss record. They are ranked second in the country and first in the Pac 12. Upcoming games November 4th at UCLA and then November 7th at San Diego State. Uh, the women's team uh, for soccer October 28th played at Oregon State. They would win that game 2 to 1. Play of the game would be Olivia Vanderyat with two, uh, four shots, three on goal, and one goal. October 31st at Oregon, they would win that game 3 to 1. Play of the game would be Summer Yates uh, with one goal on four shots, three on goal. So the women's team goes down and takes care of business against the Oregon schools. Uh, major props there. Uh, and team related news, Olivia Vanderjak uh, played in her record-breaking 87th game in program history. That is the most played in program history and counting uh, that 87th coming in the game against Oregon. Um the women's team sits at six wins, seven draws, and four losses. They are unranked nationally and fifth in the Pac-12 at the moment. Their upcoming game is uh, November 5th versus Washington State. And the volleyball team, uh, October 29th, they played at USC. They would win that game 3-1. to one. Play of the game would be Samantha Drexel with 24 points. Uh, and then October 31st at number 16, the USCLA, the Huskies would lose that game in a clean 0-3 to three sweep. Uh, the volleyball team sits today 16 and four record. They're eighth ranked nationally, second in the Pac-12 in the moment because UCLA takes over that number one spot. Uh, and the next few games are November 5th versus Arizona State and November 7th versus Arizona. So I'd say a bounce back week for our Seattle sports after having a couple past two weeks that weren't as fun. Uh, Seahawks win. Um, Sounders. Uh, Kraken have some wins there. Um, the rain win in a big game. Uh, the rain win in a big game. Football, UW football wins. Uh, men's soccer, not so much. UW women's team win both of their, women's women's soccer uh, wins both of their game, and volleyball wins one of two. So overall, a better week, I'd say. Uh, with that being said, I want to thank you guys. I'm hoping that I didn't screw up the audio file today. Uh, and uh, not entirely sure who will be recording this next week's episode, um, but I'll have to find out about that. Otherwise, the show will be back on November 9th, uh, as per usual, every Tuesday. With that being said, you have a good rest of your night, good rest of your day, good rest of your week. We will see you back next time. Baba Bowie.